Greetings, troubled listeners, and welcome back to the Troubled Men podcast. I'm Renee Coman, sitting in the ring room with my co-host, the original troubled man for troubled times and future mayor of New Orleans, Mr. Manny Chevrolet. Welcome, Manny. Thank you, Renee. Welcome Thank back to the ring room. Yeah, I was about to say, yeah, we're back. Back in the ring room. We're back man. in the ring room. touch and go there for a couple of weeks. Holy cow. Yes, I don't know uh, uh, if the nation knows that uh, they were doing construction, right? On a, yeah, yeah. On the Hard Rock Hotel. Right. Right there uh, in a very prominent corner of New Orleans. Yeah, the Canal Street, the main yeah, street downtown, yeah. and, and Rampart, another main uh, street. Yeah, uh, 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 an artery. Yes. You to could. parts of na- the neighborhoods, uh, Old Treme and um, Beverly Hills. Right. And, uh, <laughs> sure. Oh, no, no. Uh, no. Culver City. Right, uh, right, right, right. No, you know, that streetcar that runs along yeah. uh, uh, both of those streets, and they have bus lines that run, and yeah. so it's a major... Uh, thoroughfare. Major thoroughfare, yeah, yes. For people to get around, especially the poor who rely on public transit. Right. And really everybody, all the business community passes yeah. this way. I, I can't imagine how many, you know, thousands, hundreds of thousands of people go go by this every day. So they're building this this Hard Rock ca- Cafe hotel. Right. Big hotel, formerly the, the, the site of like a Woolworths building or something. Actually, a, a historic building. It's where they had one of the first uh, um, sit-in uh uh, civil rights actions down yes, here, you know, yes. uh, when they were they were working towards didn't go over well public accommodations, yeah. uh, uh, you know, um, uh, civil actions. So so they tore that great old building down and they built this piece of shit building and that, that collapsed. It didn't even get fully built and and collapsed on itself. Well, what I was f- found curious is like because I'm a member here of the Ring Room mm-hmm. and I was watching this construction go on for quite a while and. I kept saying to myself, man, it's taking them forever to get this off the ground. Yeah. Where other people here at the ring room were saying, it seems like it's going up really fast. Yeah. But for me, I was like, well, this seems like forever. And then I was actually going to, the day that it collapsed, I was actually due to come here. Mm-hmm. But I had to go to work. It was a Saturday. Okay. I had to go to work to check on something. So I... I missed it. I missed actually being here because I would have been here. Oh, jeez. Yeah. But, you know, then, you know, the, the chaos happens and they close off the street. And the one good thing about this city, uh, their, their police department and fire department, is that they're good at crowd control. Yes. Not good at anything else, really, right? But crowd control, they're good at. Right. Get so a lot it of was. Practice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they cornered it off and they made it the safety zone and all that kind of stuff. And and now it, it's it's actually you know we were saying earlier it's kind of cool to look at because there's it, no traffic anymore there's well, no streetcar there's no pedestrian traffic so it's very quiet it's kind of post-apocalyptic yeah, almost yeah, you it know, reminds it's like JG me when, Ballard or something it reminds me when I came back after um, a month after Katrina when mm-hmm. I had to come check on my house right and I couldn't come here you know I had to wait a while because my daughter was only like six months old. And the mold in the air and all that kind of stuff. I couldn't bring her back. Here. Uh-huh. So we waited a while, and I came back, and it was like, came back to my house, and you know, there's no traffic. You don't really hear animals or right. anything like that. And it was, you know, it was kind of like you just see like the tumbleweeds going. Yeah. Through, yeah. You know, and there was this weird look, uh, color in the air after Katrina. I don't right. know if you remember that because we were all in Austin. Yeah, but I was coming back as well because I was yeah, yeah, checking on stuff yeah, yeah, and yeah, things like that. But what? What I found hilarious was after this hard rock thing, they decide to like they have to blow it up. 
Right. Yeah, well, they that, had those two cranes yeah, that were hanging yeah. very precariously yeah. and could fall on other buildings. But and, I was talking to some uh, mutual friends of ours who are like in the architectural construction business, uh-huh. and they were saying, well, you're destroying the evidence. Why are you doing that? Why are you destroying the evidence? Yeah. You know, by blowing this stuff up. True. You know, so we went down. I got about me and about uh, 14 people. Uh, six of them I just paid off the street. to come, And we protested. Huh. We tried to protest the implosion. Really? Yeah, we tried to protest. And we were met with, you know, uh, um, the police. Police batons. Yeah, police batons. And we brought flowers, you know. And okay, so well, flowers against batons doesn't really work that well. Okay, it's like throwback to the 1960s. Yeah, or, so yeah, we, yeah. Were, we were shuffled away. We never even made the news. Oh, no, I didn't see We were put in a paddy wagon. <laughs> wow. A paddy wagon and taken to a field. Okay. <laughs> this is not going, it's yeah, not starting yeah, off well. Yeah. But. And it was my day off, too, yeah, okay. so it wasn't good. It's no, not a fun Taken to a field. And I don't know what the name of the field was, but it was filled with uh, a lot of uh, uh, dog uh, shit. Okay. So I thought it was a dog park. Okay. And we were dropped off there, and they said, don't come back. Huh. And, uh, did you recognize where you were or not really? Uh, one of the protesters did. Okay. Yeah. And uh, so I, uh, I got my wife to get me an Uber. Oh, okay. And I went home. And I wow. said, fuck it. You know, wow. <laughs> you know, you know, what are you Quite an do? adventure, man. Yeah, you know, because I'm all about, you know, giving it to the people. Right, man, right, right. Protesting the man. Right. Because I thought... Sticking you know, it to the man. Sticking it to the man. Why are you trying to destroy the evidence? That's a very good point. You know, yeah. well, uh, hopefully they'll get in there and, and uh, you know... Document enough. I, I swear, in, in, if this was China, people would be getting executed over this because for sure they, they had to be using substandard design or substandard materials. Right. I've heard all kind of rumors. I know like they, they were working on Saturday when this collapse happened. Right. So you know it's, it's not union workers working on Saturday. Well, that's another thing. During a past year, when I'd come here to the ring room, I'd see a lot of workers like taking, because I get here around 5 o'clock, mm-hmm. and they're just clocking out. And they all had these vests on saying temps. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Getting them from Manpower Incorporated. Yeah, exactly. Some day laborers. You know, it's basically, you know, uh, Bukowski in every book he ever wrote, you know, factotum and stuff like that. Just temp workers, you know. Holy cow. You know, so I would see that a lot, but... um, you know, what are you going to do? Yeah. Oh, man. Well, well, well but speaking it, of China, going back to China, I don't okay. think, um, I think they're probably getting executed anyway, you know, well, <laughs> with or without <laughs> this bad work. Yeah. What, in China, you mean? <laughs> yeah. In China, oh, well, yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. If you just get it on the wrong side yeah, of the, uh, right. the, the, uh, the, the ruling class, yeah, for sure. But no, it's like, you know, you, you can't have that kind of malfeasance uh, in other countries that, without repercussions, you know. Uh, well, should we uh, introduce our guest, or we have have anything else we want to get well, to? Well, I want to uh, get to something real quick before, because okay. I'm excited about our yes, guest. Yes, he, yes, He's a good guy. He, yeah, yeah. He's an old friend. Um, but, um, you know, my daughter just, um, she's like going to be 15. Yes. And I was remembering when I was 15 years uh, uh-huh. old, turning 15. Now, I don't have a son. Right. But you have a son. I no. do have a son. Yeah, I'm not going to have a kid. Okay. It's well, not going to happen. Never say never, but okay, well, moving on. Yeah. But I was thinking about the time when I was around 15 years old, uh-huh. and I thought maybe, I don't know if your dad did this with you or, or you did this with your son, but my dad did this with me. Okay. He sat me down. We got in the living room. He sat me down, 
Uh, and uh, we watched porn together. Okay. <laughs> it was like, a, you know, something that we did, you know. All right. He said, this is, you know, so, and it, it was a beautiful thing. I mean, it, okay. it, we were the first people on the block to get a VCR. Oh, all right. So he went to the porno shop, and we watched porn together. It's kind of a father-daughter, I mean, yeah. a father-son. Father-daughter. <laughs> father-daughter. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. Well, right. are you going to do that with your daughter? No, like no, 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 no. Okay. See, the well, thing is, I can't do that with my daughter because I, I don't have a son. If I had a son, I, I'd probably do it. But you have a son. Did you ever do that with your son? Never did that with my son. You know, I'd say I don't think my father's ever watched porn. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. So, okay. Yeah, I don't know. He just I, makes it. Yeah, yeah. In, well, yeah, in yeah, his yeah. basement, he's, right? Yeah, he, yeah he yeah. tries not to get high in his own supply. <laughs> right. You know? Okay, I see. But. Right. But, but uh, it was it was really touching because we weren't that close. You know, as a teenager, uh, you kind of drift apart. You sure. Think, you rebel against your parents and right. stuff like that. But it was great. I mean, he, he you know. Uh, Do you remember I, what what film you watched together? It was perhaps? a film. I want to say it, it. You know, and porn back then was great because there were stories to it. Yeah, they had actual titles. Yeah, yeah other, title, than, other than uh, then, you know, you those, know, these very generic titles. Right. Like, you the, know, Gang Bang short, Six. Right. Right. Like right, that. right. Yeah, right. there was titles. Uh, I want to say Behind the Green Door, but I don't okay, think it was. Okay, a classic. All I don't right. think it was. Okay, but something along those lines. But I think it was Mitchell Brothers Produce. Okay. You know, because my so dad knew his porn. It's quality product. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It didn't come he out knew his nowhere. porn. And the be- most beautiful thing is, after we watched it, the next day, I woke up and there was my own uh, he gift-wrapped a box of Kleenex for me. Okay, nice. <laughs> yeah, so. <laughs> okay, so it was a real moment. It yeah, was yeah. a real moment. Oh, and, that's a know, touching story. Yeah. So I just thought I'd bring that up. I like because that. It's a great segue. Yeah, it's a great yeah, segue yeah, yeah. to I our guest. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, well, yeah, yeah, we have a bunch of other things we can talk about. Let's get our guest in the mix because uh, he's, he's an old friend. I haven't seen him in many, many years. I can't even think of the last time I saw you. I guess it was at the Circle Bar. It was perhaps back in the, the Kelly Keller days when Kelly was still around. I think that's when you would see me frequently. Yes. But we did that, that uh, Bowie tribute. Yes, oh, that's right. That's the last I time I saw the you. Last that's time. the last time we laid eyes on each and other. And that yes. was after, like, I think I did like a five-year hermit thing in the woods. Right. So yeah, we're getting. That's we're, why nobody saw. We want to get to that too. Oh. So, so our our our, our guest is a, a very prolific uh, singer, songwriter, recording artist. Um, he's 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 been making records, uh, you know, with other people and and on his own for for a good long time. He's. Uh, He's a spooky guy. He's he's he's, he's really w- spooky in, in in many ways. Um, in many ways. So uh, he's he's a uh, I believe from Hammond, Louisiana, but he's uh, he's he's back living r- right around New Orleans now. I think or actually back in Hammond. Back now. in Hammond. Back okay. In Hammond. All right. Um, so without further ado, Mr. Damien Youth, welcome, Damien. Thank you. Welcome to the Ring Room. Thank you. I like it here at the Ring Room. Yeah, it's a sweet spot. Yeah, it's nice. Yeah. So, so you used, used to, yeah. So you used to. Julie and I, all right, see you guys. Yeah, yeah. Well, so take off. Um, no, so we used to see you at the, the Circle Bar, and Kelly Keller was a fan, and, and she was booking. Was she? Well, of course, you know, Kelly, Kelly really curated that space and, you know, chose people that she liked and, yeah, and tried, to, she did. tried to put together. Because if she didn't like you, fuck you. She didn't care That's right. if you were going to draw think. people or not, you know, you, she didn't want you in her, in her place. Um, and along as, as that was happening, uh, Anne Rice was a fan of yours. Right. And uh, Anne Rice used to have these uh, Halloween parties every year. Yes. And, and, and that's why I'm spooky. 
It's it's the Anne Rice thing. Okay. Well, you and maybe have, some of the makeup. You I, you have a, a bit of a. I, I see photographs of your home, the interior, and some some uh, you know just. It's kind of sixties, I think. Don't okay. You think it's like sixties well, psychedelia. I, I, okay. Well, I can't see enough of it to really tell. It is. It's it's spooky, I guess. Okay. Not as spooky as like watching porn with your kid. Yeah, 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 yeah. Especially like mainstream <laughs> porn you're going to find on your own anyway. Right, right, right. Well, back in that day, it's, it wasn't as easy to find as it is hey, now. Hey, listen, you know? Dave. And I don't, I don't understand, like, that he gave you, like, paper towels or napkins? Kleenex. To, to, yeah, Kleenex. Kleenex. Yeah. I don't well. find that to be very effective. I think it joins the sperm and becomes kind of a, a moldable clay. Okay, you well, we're really getting into <laughs> details. It really cleans it up, well, like, no, a, like a T-shirt yeah. or a friend. T-shirt or a friend. Okay. Or just a soiled towel. Or yes. something like that. Okay. You can reuse that. Okay. Well, th- think really about hey, the hey, Damien, do, do not not. Do not knock masturbation. It, it, it's it's sex with someone I love. Oh, All right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, don't, I don't think he was. I don't think he was. I think no. he was. He was uh, adding to the to the whole. The yeah. Whole sorry, so your giving... father? Did your father ever do this? No. In fact, my father feigned that he was against porn so he could steal my porn. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. So he wouldn't be suspected. Yeah. Right, right, oh, okay. right. That's very clever. I'm taking this Playboy, Damien. Right. He was like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to burn this porn and I would see him like in the trash heap like going through it. And I, I was like, what are you doing? He's like, I'm looking for a, an address. <laughs> I want to see who this belongs to. Like, All right, so be, before the circle bar, though, we, we, that's where I met you, too. So how do you start out in music? You're from Hammond, and what, does, what, says, what, what happens in the, in the mid-'80s or something? You just no, decide? like, it was the same old, like, singing in church when I was a kid okay. kind of thing. But then I, I, like, discovered really cheap music and cut out bins. And started trying to record music like on a tape recorder. So what was the music obsessed. you listened to in these cutout um, bins? What what you know what tickled the, the, you? All the rejected stuff, you know. Like, um, well, I guess in the '80s, people were already over like "Hunky Dory" by David yeah. Bowie. I could find it for ninety nine cents. Right, at that time. right, yeah. So I guess music like that, really obscure bands like the the Frost or Stories or stuff that oh, okay. no one knows. Now you know Peter uh, Hamill. Peter Hamill, okay. Cockney Rebel. Oh, all right. Some of that stuff. Now, you know, early on, yeah, I'm going to just jump around here because I think of things because I'll forget if I don't That's mention cool. them now. Um, when, I, when I first, so, so you got me to, to play with you on this Anne Rice thing. And, yeah. and then we wound up doing a, a, a few recordings with, with uh, Carlo uh, Nuzio. Right, and, right. And... and you, that's when I first got to talk to you about your concept, and you would tell me how you could listen to a record and think of a song that should have been on the record right. that the person didn't do, and you would write that song. I would try to, yeah. I thought that was fascinating. And, and it, I think that my, my demos, I, I impersonate the artist too much, so ultimately I was trying to write a song as a person, and then uh-huh. later in a studio give it my own twist. Right. So Almost like I'm covering it. But um, the demos took off, and I would go in a studio, and it, it would be ignored. Yeah. But the little freaky homeroom recordings right. would be what took off. Yeah. Well, I, you know, in, in a way, maybe you f- it's, those things don't have as much uh, import, or you don't take them seriously, so you're more free about doing yeah. stuff. And it, it also feeds a, a voyeuristic uh, side, too. Because you actually, when you hear someone record in a room, like a, a ring room, you right. start visualizing the surrounding area transports the listener. Mm-hmm. When you're in a studio, it's really just about the song or the music you're creating. Right. But I think a lot of those lo-fi recordings is kind of like, it's a, there's a voyeuristic nature, I think. Sure, I see that. 
Yeah, you're 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 having a, a peek into someone's interior world. Yeah, like I have songs that I'm interrupted by a phone call. Yeah, or somebody walks in and starts talking, and I just go off on them because they <laughs> broke my mood. You know, yeah. and I was I was onto something, and I'll never get it back, and I let them know it. And uh, but it comes it becomes part of the, uh, the, the charm I, of the recording. I don't fade it out. Yeah, I just leave it on. <laughs> well, you know, famously. Uh, um, uh, oh Jesus! Uh, lose. Uh, a recording artist was in the studio working all day, uh, trying to uh, get a good take. And um, after many hours of working on it, he listens back to the uh, the demo recording, and the demo sounds so much better than where they had gotten. Right. Uh, um, it just drives me crazy that I can't, can't think of it. That he punches the wall and powderizes his hand. Everyone that's tell, that hears a story will, <laughs> will know this. Anyway, so yeah, it's, it's often very difficult to, to capture the, what's, what's very charming and natural in the demo yeah. in, in the studio. And I take responsibility for like, failing in the studio because it's hard for me to get into that state of mind in front of a bunch of people turning knobs sure. and staring at me. And yeah, well, isn't it Tom almost? Petty, that's who it was. Sorry. Tom Petty? Yes. Petty. Okay. <laughs> yeah. um, but it's almost like filmmaking, too. I mean, you, you rehearse a scene, and you first take, it's like, that's it. Yeah. But then you do, like, 20 more takes for no reason. Well, you do it to make sure you're not an egomaniac in love with everything you do. Well, yeah. So you yeah. do a bunch yeah. and then say, well, you know, maybe I like that first one because I came right. up with it and... Yeah. But you That's can work the life out of it. That's what you're saying. As yeah. you do more and more takes, suddenly yeah, well, it's, it's... It's not going to sound as good as the first. Yeah. You know? You just got it. You have it. Yeah. It's so like drugs. Move on. It's like, you know, when you first do a, a beautiful drug, you know, it takes you somewhere yeah. that you can't get back to. And then you chase it for about 800 takes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, in many cases, you know, even the 799 take is not so bad. Yeah, you know? Exactly. <laughs> It's not, it's not you the feel worst. All thing. right. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's pretty good. Yeah, it's you still, can remember the first one yeah, better. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah right. <laughs> so, so, um, so you start off. You and uh, so you're you're making these demos, and and people fall in love with them. And it it, it started like people passing it around at parties, uh -huh. and then someone sent it to like a magazine, and it got a review, and then people started ordering it like all over the world. Like you could do that back in in the eighties. You right. can get an option magazine and build a following with cassette releases. Yeah. So you were doing, you were playing every instrument and singing? Yeah. Were you doing like a just, little four track or yeah, something? Yeah, I was like just that? doing it all, all by right, myself. Let me go a little. Uh, so you're singing in the choir? Well, it wasn't a choir. We just would write like Jesus y kind of folk songs back oh, okay. when I was, back in my theist days. Oh, okay. So you come from a religious background, your family? I, I do. I was kind of raised to go into the ministry. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. Is that in your run in your family? That it, it, on my mother's side. Okay. Seventh-day Adventist, kind of like Jews for Jesus. Oh, all we right. We had, like, Saturday was our Sabbath. We, uh -huh. we couldn't do anything from Friday night to, to, you know, Saturday night. It was our Sabbath. Okay, right, sure, sure. But, but what's mean, the spark? Is it the choir being the choir, or is it just listening to old records that are discarded? I would the... say I, I learned how to create the sounds singing and playing in front of people in church okay. like to be comfortable and hear myself through other people's did ears did you learn an instrument at an early age I, I watched people play like I still to this day don't know the names of chords or anything okay so it's just all by feel for you yeah I just I, I, I watched what people did on a guitar or a piano and I could just walk up and copy it 
I remember one time you were showing me a song and, and you're saying, I, I play this chord and I said a D and you said, I call it the little bird. Yeah. My, now that's something my dad did. And instead of, instead of porn, he gave me ridiculous names for chords. He was okay. like, this is the little bird. This is the big bird. Yeah. And so when I, I would be working with like you or, or uh, David J, uh-huh. someone else I worked with, and he couldn't believe I didn't know chords right. right he just stopped like this is gonna is this going to ruin the session like yeah so then i just showed him what i played and everybody caught on yeah because it's it's not the name of the chord that makes the music it's the right. sounds right. that make the music but yeah, you yeah, wonder yeah. how you know he was like how how can i communicate this to everybody else you know and, and right well you just need an interpreter somebody right. that sees the little bird and goes it's a d <laughs> it's a d chord <laughs> all right so you're in hammond you're learning the bird you're giving the bird. <laughs> yeah. I'm giving the bird. <laughs> You're flipping the bird. Little and big. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so when do you come, come down here to Orleans Parish? I started coming here when I started getting banned in Hammond. Huh? Like, for, for, for a while, I was banned from two clubs. They claimed I was... Uh, uh, An instigator. Well, they said I was tearing up the Bible on stage. It was just my lyric sheet. Okay. <laughs> and, and, but I had it on a podium, and I, I, was take, I was letting my preacher side come out. Right. And I, I, at the time, I was, I was through with religion, so I was letting that be known. Uh-huh. And that didn't go over well in a small town. Okay. It, now, it's a different world on the other side of the pond. Well, when you leave Orleans Parish, it's a whole different world. <laughs> it's, 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 the, uh, it's the the heart of darkness out right, there. Well, yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's looking for Kurtz. Yeah, yeah. You know? um, but here you could play, and nobody would bat an eye. In fact, it was kind of a joy the first time I played here and got kind of ignored. Yeah. It was like, wow, I'm going to hang out here more. <laughs> You're going to hang out here So what, what was the spark to, uh, to leave the uh, theism behind? What? Or uh, just a crisis reason. Of reason, okay, sure. <laughs> Once reason starts kicking in, you know, okay. it, it goes the way of. I just I reached this point where I didn't just leave religion. I, I would go to another religion. Mm-hmm. I would say, well, maybe that religion's wrong, but this one's got it. And okay. then eventually, after running through a bunch of religions, they're all like, wrong. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're all or, wrong. Or for me, they're wrong. Yeah, and, sure. and I don't really, I can't really honestly say I believe in a god. So by default, I am without. Theism. Right. I'm an atheist. Sure. I see. When do but you I'm not a radical atheist. I'm not going to have like my circumcision reversed or anything. Yeah. Well, <laughs> thank God. That's that's a tough one, man. That's, that would that's be a not, tough one. It's very painful. <laughs> oh, you went the. Can we? Can I say that? Oh yeah, yeah. I heard a rumor. Is that true? That you, you uh, became Jewish. Yes, I did. And and had a circumcision. Well, I was already circumcised, but to 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 go through anything but a reform. Uh, conversion, if you go through like an orthodox or conservative conversion, which really are exa- identical except for whether an orthodox or conservative rabbi performs it, um, even if you're already circumcised, you have to have a ritual circumcision, Ooh. which involves... Ouch. Which is worse than <laughs> masturbating with your dad. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's, it's Especially quicker. if it turns out there is no God. It's, yeah. it's quicker. Oh it's quicker. Um, I do that for it's, uh, it's, So they have to draw a little bit of blood. Okay. Um, uh, so How old were you when this happened? Uh, I was in my, let's see, I was in my 30s. Oh, oh wow. gosh, really? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Jeez. Now, uh, shockingly enough, uh, if to, to, to just draw a small amount of blood from your penis with like a lancet or something, you would think that it would be almost no trauma. It looked like somebody had smashed my dick with a hammer oh, the geez. next day. The, the, the amount so of what part of the penis? 
Um, is it, it the was, head it of the penis? The shaft, you know, a little the bit shaft. of the shaft, yeah, like the end of the shaft. You know, is it just the kinda, top of the shaft? Kind of the, the kind of the top, you know. Just kind of nick it. You and know? A, ra- a rabbi does this. Yeah, yeah. Just kind of nick it with the, with the lancet. Which, which, you're, like, you're again, better off a rabbi than a priest, I'm sure. Well, yeah. Where, where, does, yeah. This, where does this? Do they make a house call? Where does where does this happen? Uh, yeah. do you, well, so in the back so, of a Lincoln Continental. Yeah, 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 yeah. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> we were filming it too. Yeah. yeah. Um, no, so it, I, I went to a mikvah. You know, it's a ritual bath. You know, ritual immersion. They they used to have a mikvah out in Metairie that they would allow uh, conservative. Uh, conversions that I think now you have to go to Houston or something they, they quit allowing that but there's I think they're working on having a, a, a new mikvah that's for the community here just um, the word mikvah sounds I'm grabbing my penis that's just a ritual bath you know it's, it's, okay, it's, it's a, a bath pool. okay it's a, what do they call the that's uh, four plates of yeah, circumcision yeah it's a four plate it's the Kleenex right no. <laughs> did they give you Kleenex the, after, the, this after the bath I, I think like they probably did give me a tissue yeah I'm sure they did <laughs> but uh, but so you have the ritual immersion, and then and then uh, you know you come out of that, which you know it's like in traditional Judaism. After a woman, you know, it's like or the, a mikvah. It's, it's you would go into the mikvah before you got married. You know, it's it's just a ritual cleansing kind of rit, kind of deal. So. Uh, immersion in the mikvah, and, and then uh, and then this ritual circumcision for me. Now I was converted with a whole class of women. I was the only man, so they they, they all got to see your. You no, 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 no. We were, no, we we went through classes together. We oh, didn't go through the, the actual so conversion. Like, it's like Sunday school for this. It was it was it wasn't Sunday, but yes, it was kind of. I mean, we we had weekly classes. We were there was all adults, you know. And were you like, how many classes you have to take to get your dick cut? Well, it wasn't. That was that was a that was a very minor part of it, you know. It's no, like, I think it's a major well, part of it. Yeah. Part of, yeah. Well, no. So we 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 uh, learned Hebrew. Uh, we learned. I could do that, right? No, I could I, do except for the penis part. It, it was really, it was, it was. So it was when they was, cut your dick, did you scream in Hebrew? <laughs> <laughs> I know I didn't scream at all because it actually didn't hurt at all. Then it's a very sharp, you know. It's like a razor. So, you know? did you have an erection, or were you? Uh, I did not. No, no, yeah. no, no, no. Okay. So, <laughs> so ever you, since, <laughs> yeah, I yeah, yeah. <laughs> I have one right now. Yeah, I'm um, just talking about but this. But does he? The, the guy, hold, the rabbi holds I your dick? I think I was holding it, actually. You were holding it. I was it. holding it, yeah, because okay. he didn't actually touch my dick. He was oh, just, okay. You know, he, he, that's a sin, he sucked your dick, that's though, a didn't sin. he? No, no. <laughs> After he cut <laughs> not, it, he not sucked then, it, right? Not then. That was okay. a different time. Okay. Now, you're, now you're conflating Now do you see episodes. why I got out of religion? Yeah. Well, anyway, it, it worked for me. You know, it's, it worked again, for you. Again, good. as you say, it, it... Does it still work for you, though? That's what I want to know. It does. No, absolutely. No, absolutely. As you say, all of this didn't work for you. Right. None of these religions. I don't think my decisions should be other people's decisions. Everybody's in a different lane. As do I. Yeah. I. I don't think you should do... Uh, you know, your decision is perfectly... Co- You've perf- convinced me not I'm to, perfect- No, I'm perfectly comfortable with... So do you have a with- scar there? No, 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 no. No, it was, it was just a nick. Just the shocking part was the amount of trauma. I mean, like, I, I woke up the next day and I was like, oh, my God, I, I might need to go to the hospital. You know, it, it really, it was... It was it was quite shocking. So what were those women doing in that class? What well, were they having? They were having nicks done too? No, no, no. I'm saying the, the conversion process was mostly education. It's just the, that, you know, as the man, I had to have this, this one, uh, you know, ritual, ritual performed. Procedure. Now, funny thing is, uh, at the next class... There's a lot of rituals with Judaism, uh, isn't there? Uh, yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, uh, it's, you know, it's a lot of laws. It's a, it's a religion of laws, you know. Uh, anyway, uh, 
when we had that next class after our conversion ceremonies, um, everyone's looking at me and they're all they're all going. So how is they want to hear about the my my ritual circumcision? Right. Did you show them? Well, no, I didn't. But <laughs> I, I did point out that you know, interesting thing is everybody in this room is thinking about my cock right now. So I'll take it. That's fine. That's all it takes. Yeah, you know, I, I was amused by it. <laughs> Okay. But anyway, uh, moving on. Uh, so back to you, Damien. So it's yeah, like that woman that biting the camel's balls in a way, isn't it? No. Well, it's not a ritual, but it, it well, was, a, you uh, know. It, it, it involved, uh, it involved uh, someone's genitals. In, the, in that right. sense, they were but common. So, but, you, but know. you know, see, I watch enough porn to know that uh, that's kind of porn in a way. There's porn for that, what you went through. There's porn for that. Oh, oh no. If, if, you, sh- if you film that. People would watch. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. people would watch it. Yeah, but we weren't yeah. doing that. We, no, we, you weren't yeah. filming. Really, anything yeah. somebody yeah. masturbates to, yeah, subjectively, yeah, is, is porn. porn. Yes, yeah. and, and man, there's all kind of weird stuff. There's, I, 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 you know, I'm sure there's people like. In fact, I know there are people that will masturbate to girls popping balloons. Not me. I know. I, it sounds crazy. It sounds crazy. I've never but heard I, of that. I, I was ready to hear about the, the uh, Well, you know, my, I had a roommate who was masturbating to Barnaby Jones. I remember an that. Barnaby <laughs> yeah. Jones. Because he was in love with the secretary. Right. So the Buddy Epson's secretary. Right, right. Who I have no idea who she was. But. Yeah, I remember. All right, so, okay. Yeah, so, anyway, to you, yeah. we, we back to our guest, yes. Damien Youth. Damien, yes. um, so you come here to New Orleans, and you're doing your thing. What... Uh, I'm curious to know because I, I looked at your uh, uh, your website and all the stuff you released. I mean, you released a lot of stuff. A lot of stuff. Yeah, yeah tremendous amount of, of recordings. Yeah, okay, man. and so I, I know it's like uh, Bowie and stuff. You bought that in the bins and stuff. But you come down here to New Orleans. What are the bands that interest you down here? Are there anything down here that interests you that? You know, I mean, because you people come down here, they listen to brass music, they listen to the art. You know. Yeah, I really didn't like. Uh, New Orleans kind of music, and I wasn't into uh, Cajun music. And right? Stuff yeah, like yeah, that. yeah, yeah, yeah. I understand of, that totally. But I, I, I that. did like. There was a band called the Phantoms with Rick Slave that yeah, I really liked. Yeah, a former and, guest and of ours. And they used to play in Hammond a lot. Oh, okay. Oh, they were yeah. like the first band we saw that did original music too. Mm. Okay. And uh, they're fabulous. Yeah, the Phantoms. Yeah. yeah Rick was a guest days. of ours. Uh, what about a few months ago? Yeah, yeah, a couple months ago. Yeah, yeah. yeah and Rick, he also Rick lived above the, the circle yeah. bar. He still does. Does he still? Yeah, yep. he yep. he moved out and he moved back, but he's back. He's been back Even, there for I, quite I, a while. I was in New York and he showed up. We uh, at some club I was playing at CBGB section. Okay, yeah, I've and heard of it. I yeah, looked. Yeah. At, yeah, I heard. <laughs> Actually, no one else did that night. It was like him and five other people. Yeah. but uh, there he was. Uh, like. Rick Sl- I was like, why is he here? But he was living there at the time. I thought he was still here. Oh, okay. He was in a band called The Man Scouts or something. Oh, okay. Like well, he's got a, a fabulous act he's doing now called... Uh, Dark Lounge. Dark I need Lounge to check Ministry. That out. You should before... Because, you know, he changes his everything yeah. like, every year. Because he was, he was doing country music just years ago. Hog a year ago, or something uh, like country that. Country Wild or something like that. Yeah, something. And then he started doing this Dark Lounge Ministry which you have to see because I have a feeling he's going to end it soon. Yeah. Really? And recreate something else. Because, yeah, that's true. Because I went and saw lot. him. He plays Thursdays at Circle Bar around 7 o'clock and I, me and my wife were the only ones there. Yeah. And it looked like, I know he's still doing it, but it looks like he's ready to move on to something else. Oh, okay. You know, reinventing himself like right. he does. Right, So you have to check it out. It's very entertaining. 
Very entertaining. That was one. Glenn Styler was was also a big thing. Oh, okay. A friend of ours. Yes, yes. But, uh, and, and former Trouble Ben podcast guest as well. Really? Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I had... Have not heard. One he, of didn't, the, he didn't talk much. It was, I think, our tea. first guest that we ever had on, and and uh, it was. I learned a lot from that interview because I had the idea that I would write down a bunch of stories that he was involved in, and I would prompt him with those. And then half the time he's like, "I don't remember that." <laughs> so I realized, well, that's not the way to do an interview. You just have to ask people to tell the stories that they remember. That's true. <laughs> I did an interview with him for a magazine one time okay. when I first met him. Uh huh. And it turned into like a therapy session. Yeah. For was, you, he was doing therapy on you. No. Oh, the other way around? No. Okay. I, I think he was shocked by the level of questions I would ask, and it just kept going deeper and deeper. Oh, okay. And he, he revealed a lot of personal things about his life. Yeah. And, he's uh, a fascinating guy. He, he is. A fascinating his story, and, and he's great at storytelling. Yes, so it's, he is. it's too bad he was quiet. But yeah, he we're going to have him on again. He so. was talking about his. Um, and I don't mind saying this because I'll, you'll find out why. But he told me about his father and, and the cruelty of his father. Mm-hmm. And then we moved on to a lighter topic. And he used this saying. He was like, variety is the spice of life. Uh-huh. And then the next day he calls me and he says, um, there's something in that interview I want you to take out. And I was like, uh, like the stuff about your dad? And he's like, no, leave that. Variety is, is the spice of life. I hate that saying. <laughs> <laughs> a cliche. I don't, yeah. I don't dig he hates it. It's cliche. He hated that he said that. <laughs> that's so funny. Uh, so, so, Sorry uh, for that impersonation. <laughs> no, no, it's, that's good. We like it. We all impersonate. I think everyone Glenn, has their own uh, style yeah, 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 impersonation. Yeah, yeah. You know. So, so um, well, I'm, I'm looking at the old uh, ticker here. Yeah, we here. need should to we, take a break. Take a little break. And get another round. Yeah, yeah, let's, let's do that, and then we'll yeah. dig, dig into your, your, whole, uh, your whole work output, Damien Youth. All right. Okay, we'll be right back. All right. And we're back, back in the ring room, back with Mr. Manny Chevrolet. I am Renee Coman, back with Mr. Damien Youth. Calm down, Okay, Renee. sorry. Yeah, I always like to come out hot, hot out of the shoot here. You're not getting nicked again. Yeah, okay. no, no, no. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm ready to break yeah, on, the, on the first, yeah, the first exactly. sign of a flashing blade. All right. Um, so, Damien, uh, let's, let's uh, pivot off of, this, uh, of your career. And a few years ago, you bought a hotel. Now, where was that hotel? Um, that was in Winber, Pennsylvania. It was now, like this small kind of coal town. Now, now, what, now you bought that off of Craigslist? Is that no, correct? No, it, it was on eBay. eBay, okay. Yeah. I wasn't far off. Now, what right. possessed you to buy a hotel? I, and I think that a lot of people say things like they'd like to like run away from society and, and create a commune. Uh-huh. And uh, I, think, I always think they're just talking, but I really mean it. Right. So when I saw this... Um, what year was this? It was right after uh, the Twin Towers came down. Okay. And I didn't know what America it's a good was... good time to buy. I didn't know when America... <laughs> what direction yeah, yeah. it was going. And I was like, I want to go in the middle of nowhere. Because yeah, I remember that. Because you were performing at the Circle Bar a lot. And all of a sudden, I was like, what happened to Damien? Well, he went and bought... It was a hotel or a motel? It was, a, it was like a three-story hotel built in, yeah, in the late right 1800s. Yeah, right outside Pittsburgh, right? For $10,000. Okay. So you just became a hotel guy. Well, I, we didn't run it as a hotel. We just... What we did is I knew it needed work. Uh-huh. So so we, we thought if we get there, we can let artists who are having a hard time surviving. What was the name of it? Uh, it's called the Grand Midway Hotel. And okay. now it's like in the Guinness Book of Records because um, uh, my partner who has it, Blair Murphy, hmm. not gay partner, business partner, sure, sure. Um, has put a, a, the world's largest Ouija board oh, wow. on the ceiling. Huh. So then 
Now it's in the Guinness Book of Records. Oh, okay. But I, we sold our half to the him. The ceiling or the roof? The, the roof. The roof. Yeah, oh, the okay. roof. Wow. So when people are doing the Ouija, do they fall off the roof? I don't know. I, that would be, I would go see that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so you ran that and you, you invited other uh, we just, artists We found and artists in the area okay. and we said, look, if you, if you fix up your room that we give you, uh-huh. you don't have to work. Okay. You don't, you don't have to quit pay. your job. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You can just pitch in on like the bills, not uh-huh. pay rent, but fix this room. And and we just kind of use people like worker ants. Yeah. But giving them something they wanted and a different kind of bartering than money. Right. But did you also actually re- you know rent it out to no. travelers? Or no. Something? Now yeah. now I think Blair does like a bed and breakfast kind of thing. Okay. But I, I wasn't into that. He's kind of a more of a uh, he's got a P.T. Barnum approach. Like he likes to do. Ghost hunter events, oh, okay. and and of course I, I don't believe in ghosts either. Right. But it, we went in different directions. So we sold our half to him, and now he runs it. Okay. Now, did you make a lot of recordings there? Did you I did. Do a lot I, I of did, music. I did record there, and, and found musicians that I, I would later work with. Yeah. And we even invited like lots of people from, all around the world to play music there. That sounds really cool, man. And and looking at at, at your 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 website. You have so many recordings, man. I, I couldn't even count them all. I mean, I could, but, but it's, it looks like... It's easier to count them than to, than to hear them all. Well, or, or than, to, than to create them, you know? It's, it's, or, yeah, that too. It requires a lot of time That's and it. effort. Yeah, but like 30 records or something I know. you have out. It's crazy. So, so you're, you're extremely prolific, you know, and, and, and you just have done this constantly. You never stop. I, I look at it like an illness, Okay. Because if something starts bubbling up in my mind, it has to manifest. Yeah. And I don't know for, for whom, really. Right. It, it doesn't I, matter. It, yeah. I just have to capture it and see if I can get it as close to the way I hear it in my mind. And it's become an obsession. But it's made me somewhat dysfunctional. Like, sometimes it benefits me and, and, and pays the bills. But mm-hmm. sometimes I'm just a freak in a room. I'm, it's fan of the paradise, you know. I'm... Right, <laughs> just a freak in a room writing songs. Right. Well, you know, the, we we had uh, uh, Dusty Bonger's grandson on, and, and his his grandmother talks about if you're cursed with an art, you it know, is a curse. You know, meaning that you 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 have the compulsion to create art. So that's kind of what you're talking it is. about. And it's it, a, it is an overwhelming compulsion. I mean, it'll hit you when you're doing more important things. Yeah. Things that are, are probably immediately better for your environment or your society, and I'll just withdraw and go hermit. And just, and, and I've lost friends and family. Like my older daughter just uh, disowned me. Really? Because I'm not available enough. Huh? It's because you're you're now still uh, engaged to such a high degree with, I, with yeah. With I, this I did the hermit thing for almost six years, only like making rare appearances. Uh-huh. And then I thought I would move back to my hometown and come out of my shell, but it's been worse. Really? Yeah. I've been like. Really? So I want to know about your. Uh, See, it's uh, therapy again. Yeah, I'm doing, I'm doing your, therapy. Um, so, talk about your successes. You've toured a lot. Have you toured the country? You've toured Europe. I've, I've never left America. You've never but left I, America. I, I did meet this really great recording artist from the '60s um, named Peter Daltrey from Kaleidoscope. Do you guys know that band? I, I know the name. I'm not familiar with their but their recording. He was kind of like a. A Donovan Sid Barrett kind of character, okay. like a mix between those two. Right. And um, I found him and wrote a song for him, and we put out three albums, just throwing music back and forth over the pond. Oh, really? So, just through over the internet? Yeah. Like okay. I would, I would record uh, song ideas and send it to him, and he would put vocals over it and uh-huh. send it back, and I would add more stuff to it. So even though I've worked 
in, in the UK? Hmm? I've never been. You've I've never, never left been the United there. States. Of, I don't have a well, passport. Well, that's interesting. But, I mean, have you ever, like, gone on tour as Damien Youth yes. with a band? I have. Okay, and uh, tell us, do you have any band, uh, tour stories that you can want to share with us? What year was this, and who were, your, who were the bandmates? Because um, you seem to work alone most of the time. Yeah, my band always changes. Yeah, well, yeah. So, um, I guess the, the biggest tour I did when, when I was working with, um, I got picked up by some company called J Train in New York, mm -hmm. and, and uh, they were putting me on the road, and I was flying. I was kind of a jet setter for a little while, going to New York and Los Angeles, just back and forth, and I would never play here or my hometown anymore, but... Uh, I don't really have great stories because uh, I was a hermit then, too. Yeah. I would just, like, <laughs> not hang out with the people I was with. Right. Well, you're, right. you're an artist that, that um, other musicians see and are enchanted with, so people want to work with you. You know, people are fascinated by you, I think. And that's new, new to me. People are finally telling me that, but I always got the impression um, they thought I was somewhat fraudulent or shifty. And... Um, and I think that comes from my, my preacher background. Yeah. I think I have characteristics that, I, that <laughs> derived from that world. Well, and you, I would be suspicious of me, too. Well, that's just your self-image. That's not your actual characteristic. That's the way I, you see yourself. I, that's how I see myself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, you know. Because nobody else... If, you feel, if you're in a department store and you feel like people think you stole, you know, even if you didn't, you still look guilty. They start following you around? Right. Just, just, yeah. yeah. And that's how, that's how I feel about my, myself and people being fascinated with me. Sometimes I, I think people would like to see me fall. Huh. No, I, I, I don't feel that way. I've always got the, the feeling that people are pulling for you. Really? Yeah, yeah. I've always felt that way about you, you know. And, and, I didn't and, know that. And, the, and other musicians, like, you know, people that are just like strict players, I, I, I can see that the way they look at you, you know, you actually, the, the opposite of being a fraud, I think people see you as a genuine article, you know, and, and someone whose who's attention... Uh, who their attention is, is, is worth being focused on you because, you know, you, you do have this unique vision and, you know, you hear your recordings and it sounds like, yeah, this is a guy with a concept, with, a, with a, an idea. That's new to me. Well, I, I, I looked at your website and I thought the one thing that came out to me was um, the, the record covers... And the record titles. I just thought they were so interesting. Some of the stuff that you called these albums. I, mean, I just thought, I, I've never heard this before. Yeah, I've no, never, it's very inventive. Yeah, right? yeah, it's very inventive. And, and just some of the, 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 the cover art was like, I've never seen this either. This is like insanity. I mean, it's, I love it. I love it. Right, it's a world Thank unto you. itself. And yeah. so is that all you're doing or you yeah. have... Well, uh, and I married a photographer. Okay. And then we met another photographer and then we were all three married for a while. Okay. Uh -huh. and, uh, oh, we don't want to go there. No. Uh, we can. We, we can. can go there. We got there. time, yeah. Okay. Yeah. We don't have to. But, uh. but you know, when, when we didn't have the internet, you know how we found a cool album? We looked at the album cover. Right. Yeah. Sure. And exactly. there was like some well, relationship. We all like, grew up in that generation. Right. And yeah. sometimes you ever get the album that looks like it's going to be great, but it's awful. It doesn't live up to it. Sure. Right. I yeah. used to throw the record away, stare at the album cover, <laughs> and try to write the songs that I anticipated it would be that I would yeah. hear yeah. when I found that record. I yeah. love that idea, yeah. man. That's yeah. so cool. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes I would create the album cover first. And imagine finding this record. Okay. And what would I expect to hear? Nice. And then try to create it. 
Very interesting, man. Like the creative process, it doesn't, it, th that's as valid as anything. I mean, like, you know, uh, Doris Wishman, filmmaker, would think of a title. She, you know, she was like a, she was like kind of the, the, the female Russ Meyer. She'd think right. of, what's a good title that I could sell? And then what's a good poster that would go with that title? And then let me write a movie that goes with that title and that poster. But the art that comes out of that is just as valid as if you write the story first sure, or if sure. you it write is. the melody first. In fact, sometimes, um, I mean, you can make anything your muse if it resonates with you. I, when we were younger, there was this crazy guy that lived on our street. And when he died, we wanted to go through his house. So we broke in <laughs> and we found this box of tapes. Uh -huh. And we, we all went back to my place, and, and we, we took acid, and we put, we, put these, <laughs> we put these tapes on expecting to hear like something really wild from this insane person that lived in this house that we created myths around. Uh -huh. It was awful. It was terrible. Yeah. <laughs> what you heard. And, and then yeah, I was called, wham. It was, it was, it was just a crazy... before you go, Yeah, exactly. He was a crazy guy who, who didn't know the names of chords. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. But I, later I thought... I'll do that like the album cover. Like, one day I'm going to be the freaky guy down the street. That Maybe the neighborhood kids will want to break in my place when I die. Really? What do I want to tell them? Okay. Ah, okay, there and you so go. And so you make that amuse. And then you start writing songs like, you're gone. The people don't even exist yet, your audience. Uh -huh. But you're communicating something to them that they would find in a box in an empty house. Nice. Just over time. Yeah, I right. love that idea, man. You right. see, that sounds like a forensic file so show. You are, you are spooky. That's, that's, that's spooky in a I sense. I think that's you know? romantic. I think it's that's very romantic. romantic. It's very romantic. It's very romantic. But it's, you know, that kind of romance over time has a certain ethereal, it has a certain you know, disembodied quality. I mean, spooky is a, a shitty word for, <laughs> to describe... You know, Anything death-related, you, you, could, you could qualify as spooky. Or the otherworldly, you know. Right. That's, that's what I'm using. Right. You know, you, 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 that's your stock and trade, you know, the, the unseen world. Right. Which I don't even believe in. But, and, it's, <laughs> and I think it is because of the Anne Rice connection and, and the Westgate. Um, like, I'm, I'm more science-minded than anything. But okay. I think because I went through all of those uh, odd religions... When I left my religion, you hear that in the music, too. So sometimes I, I draw people who are really into things I'm not necessarily into, like astrology, for example. Right. It's fun, but yeah. I don't really believe it. Sure. But I have friends that really put a lot of stock in that. Right. And, and they've heard songs where I reference it, and they think I am, too. Yeah. And, and so I, I get a lot of people who want to send me my chart and yeah <laughs> but that's cool for them i mean like it if it resonates with them just like you know my thing resonates with me and you know it's like I, I have friends like that too and and it's it's very funny when you meet people like that or you know like me who like you're very rational until you get to this one thing and right, then you right. suspend all rationality right. and it's it's just faith you know and i, I would say that you know you have faith you're not without faith. You have faith in the power of music. Hmm. I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I don't know if that's the language I, I would use. Okay. No, it's I, the, but, the language I use because well, that's my... This is why I would say that. Okay. Because if you really... What is the, the definition of faith? Believing in something beyond yourself. Believing in something even if evidence is not present. That's mm. faith. Yes. Even if there's no evidence, yes. a leap of faith in, into, a, in, into a dark shadow hoping yes. you'll land on something solid. Yes. That is faith. What is credulity? 
What? What is it? Credulity. Gullibility. Oh, gullibility. Okay. It's the same definition. Yeah. My concern is that we, we sanctify gullibility by calling it faith, and then people give themselves over to it because it's admirable in our culture, and then they're easily led around because it becomes a leash around their neck. And what, what has happened is people's gullibility and credulity has been sanctified. Yes. Well, yeah, yeah. And that's my concern about it. I'm not trying to. I'm not. Well, no, 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 I, I, no, no, I totally no. agree with that. Yeah, I no, totally I, agree with I, that. I, as, as do I. No, I, I agree with you as well. Um, I, I, I do believe there's things we can't explain, but it's just that. When people say, well, I can't explain that, so proof of God. Well, that's an explanation. So I, to me, it's like, if there's no explanation for it, let's find out. When, I, when I'm talking about like faith in music, I'm just saying that. that you find something that resonates with you and you are willing to give yourself over to it because it has a unique resonance with you. Right. And it's... it's to me, it's, like a, it's more like a language. Sure. And it, it becomes like the language of the subconscious or the, or the uh, artistic self. Yeah. Um, but it, it's... Is language faith? Well, I mean, it's... I, or, the, or is I faith, hope I don't sound argumentative. No, 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 no. I like no, it. No, no, no. Or yeah. is 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 faith part of a language? You know, that's uh, and and is it? Well, in a sense, I like the question. In a, in a Go sense, that you know the, that just just your willingness to um, assign power to something that other people don't assign that same power to. You know, music. That's something that nowadays with young people, you know they have almost zero uh, faith in music, if that makes sense. They, they, they're not moved by it the way that our generation was. They're, they don't give it great import. Right. You know, I mean, that's, there are exceptions. There, there I'm painting with a broad brush. But, you know, just uh, in a broad cultural sense, the, I, I think it... it, it don't can, you think it's because everyone now is a little bit of a celebrity themselves, the way people communicate with each other on social media? Well, they have sure. their own personas. Yes. So I don't think we're as, or they're as fascinated with um, celebrity like they used to be. Celebrity used to be untouchable. And now you can communicate or argue with your, your favorite celebrity and be a celebrity yourself. But, but even beyond celebrity or beyond, like, a recording artist, just the music itself. Like, you know, when, like, I know you're a big Bowie fan. Like, yeah. like, you know, there are Bowie songs that I can listen to over and over and over again because right. they conjure a certain, a certain feeling. It's, it's like a godlike feeling. That's, again, my language I like to use. But it's... I like the, that use of, of godlike. I compare it to that because it's the similar feeling. It's, it is. It's something, it's like a warmth of your, you know, it's an internal well, warmth. Well, but I think every generation, like I think your daughter and my daughter will have songs that will, they'll hear 20 years from now that come out, came out in the last few years that will have the same feeling for them. Perhaps. You know. Perhaps. You know. Yeah, I think it's been devalued to a great degree because there's so much distraction, there's so much other well, stuff. And I also think it's been devalued because... Kids don't have to go to the record store. Right. They don't have to go and wait for that record to come out. Right. And That's be right. first in line to get that record. Yes. It's instant. Yes. It's instant. They can get it with their device. 
Yes. And it, was, it used to be a ritual. Like, I remember ordering a yes. Robin Hitchcock album. It took a month to get to me. See, By the time it got to me, everyone gathered around right, and waited yeah. for the needle to drink. Now you had a listening now, party. Now we're circling back to, to the whole thing. So here's, to me, what prayer is. Okay. Prayer is time plus attention. Mm-hmm. So when you have, you know, your time that you're devoting and your attention that you're devoting to a record, that's a form of prayer. It may not involve a deity, you know, it, but it's, it's a form of prayer nonetheless. And that's... I agree, I agree with that. That's a, a lot of your relationship with music, my relationship with music. Our, you know, it's, it was very common in our generation, the way we would listen to the same records over and over again. We still have these touchstones that we can conjure that same feeling. I had a lyric, actually, that even said that. It was um, these prayers for help I call song, mm-hmm. um, which is the same thing that you're talking exactly. about. That's exactly. In, in fact, I, I think a lot, I, some of my favorite music is religious, like old religious music. Hmm. Um, and I, I love the architecture that came from But see, that's the thing. I, I think it's the creative self, and someone gives the credit to a perfect being, but that helps them try to to figure out what perfection is and then try to manifest it. So they're kind okay. of doing with this God concept what I, what I do with the crazy old guy down the street. Okay. I try to create what he should have, what I imagined him to be. Yes. Um, but I don't, if I were to say that that was his spirit feeding that to me, um, yeah, no, I'm. Uh, yeah. No, I'm not saying that. I'm. I'm just. You're, I'm, you're I'm, not even I'm, trying to debate religion, and I don't know why I keep doing it. Yeah, I, no, I'm, I'm just speaking about the commonality of this this uh, impulse, yes. the human impulse. I agree. I'm on the same page with you. I agree. And, and I think that's that that excites me. Now, me too. now my dick is hard again. <laughs> Wait, no, <laughs> just kidding. Just my 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 metaphorical dick is Your hard. Metaphorical yeah, dick. my my spiritual dick is hard. <laughs> Manny. What? Well, I don't uh, know. <laughs> well, no, I was sorry. thinking you were talking. I'm listening to you guys talk. And I'm thinking about you know how about your your hours? generations <laughs> and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I thought about that Bob Forrest line from Thelonious Monster where he said, there's, "I forget the name of the song, but one of the lyrics is uh, music used to mean that so much to me, but it doesn't mean that much to me anymore." Hmm. That was one of his lines. And that's the way I, I kind of look at it that way because um, this is an 80s tune. And back then, this was before what we have now. And MTV was dying. And I thought it was a very pro- prolific lyric back then because he, I think he said, he said, I'm looking to the East and I'm not hearing any bands at all. I'm looking to the West and I'm hearing the same old bands. Music used to mean so much to me. It doesn't mean that much to me anymore. And and now he uh, he uh, hosts his, uh, he has a podcast for uh, for drug addicts. For recovery, so, <laughs> yeah, yeah, recovery yeah. addicts. Well, in, in in a sense, that's he's talking about the loss of faith. Yeah, yeah. Again, to use to, to mix right. these yeah, that's, these. That's what, yeah, that's what I was thinking about. It's like so I remember that lyric. I'll never forget that lyric. You know. Because I always thought Bob was a great songwriter. Yeah. Um, the band was good. It wasn't great. But, um, but I always remember that, that one line. You know, It used to mean so much to me, but it doesn't mean that much to me anymore. 
Yeah. And uh, so. I will say, like, writer's block feels like losing God again. Okay. Like when you, when you lose that language. Because I, I, I've had long spells of where I don't have a song in my heart. I, I'm too analytical about the world around me. Hmm. And I kind of like what you're talking about with that lyric. Like you wonder, you go th- I go through spells where I wonder if I'll ever write another song. Yeah. And it used to be such a big part of my life. Right. Um, I feel anchored to it. But sometimes I, it's going to leave at some point. Well, I'm going to I'm going to outlive it. I know that oh, yeah. I am. Oh yeah. No, that's that's the thing. When you're in a bad spot, it always feels like that will last forever. You know, we right. we we have such as humans, we have such a a short time frame that we're working on. So whatever you're feeling right now, it feels like this is what it, how it's always been or this is how it will always be going forward. But the older you get, the more you realize, well, no, this, this is not how it always was. This is not how, you know, the, the only constant is change. And right. this right. will not last just like the good times will right. last. Well, I feel the same way with humor, too. It's like I come up with a joke and I have to say it. And then someone deletes it out of the broadcast. Okay. Well, you know, you know, right. and I want to say this oh, joke. Well, we, it sounds like it needs to be hammered out. We're, no, no we, 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 it's, we, it's been hammered. Yeah, it's yeah, been it's, hammered it's, it's out. Been hammered, yeah, but yeah. at the same way, because uh, you know, you hear a song and it, it brings back memories and stuff, or you come up with a song, or you come up with a bit, or whatever, and you want to put it out there. You know, uh, so what, what I'm referring to is. Um, we did the Gong Show. Yes, yes, uh, I have that in my notes. Okay. So, so uh, last Monday was uh, Manny's birthday celebration. It it, it coincided with the uh, Gong Show that Manny uh, emceed. Uh, it was a benefit for the New Orleans Musicians Clinic. So it was a, a grand event down there at the Dream Palace, and thankfully, the only thing they haven't ruined about the Dream Palace is nobody. Painted over the uh, the ceiling. Uh, the Dream Palace. So that's what that building, uh, that room. I thought it was the Blue Nile. It's called the Blue Nile now. Oh. But it used to be the. Dream. It's always oh, been okay. the Dream Palace, and it's called the Dream Palace because it has that the constellation painted on the on that that round ceiling I've in never the bar noticed area. That. Oh, it's the best part about the room. Oh, really? Um, okay. And you had to have been there in the, in the heyday when... Oh, I played there, and we went to see Alex Chilton play there. Sure. Were you playing with him Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was in the band. Um, but, I mean, even before that, there was, you know, like uh, the Normals would play there, or... or what were uh, some other bands, like Reality Patio? Do you remember that band? I do remember the name of that band, or, or like... Multiple uh, Places. Uh, multiple Places, but, but even before that, like Wild Kingdom, or, okay. uh, or uh, Room Service with Clark Vreeland. Um, you know, Wild Kingdom with, uh, with, with the great uh, Pete LeBon. Now, that's a guy... I'm not sure if you're familiar with Pete LeBon's music. Not. Not. Pete LeBon is still, still alive. He's an artist much like yourself who constantly produces music on a four-track that is insane and I need to hear and, this and is very much him, uh, his own and is lo-fi but super um, appealing and and just really you would love Pete Lebon, man. Anyway, so I remember seeing those bands there. So it's that that that's a very st- at one time it was Snug Harbor and. The Dream Palace yeah. was all yeah. that was on Frenchman Street. I thought we were talking about the Gong Show. Sorry. Okay. Yes. It was, it was, <laughs> yeah. uh, we digress. So, yeah. so yes, it, it was in that same room. So we had the Gong Show. Go on, Manny. Um, 
Well, no, I got to, uh, uh, I've actually performed at it uh, the past few years. It's the only thing I'll do for free, really. Um, but so they asked me to emcee it this year. And I, I, you know, talking about, reha- you know, getting old material and stuff like that. And per- so I actually just went into the vaults and just brought out a bunch of old one-liners. And it was really fun to do them and to host the, host the show and um, it's a great thing to do for the, you know, for the musician's clinic and stuff. But when you talk about, um, you know, when you feel something, like, like I said, the Bob Forrest line and stuff like that. But I was saying some jokes, and all of a sudden I was like, wow, I, I really liked it. I remember these yeah. jokes. You know? It brought you back to yeah, that. It's I, new I, to you yeah, again. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, I'm getting so old, and I, I can't. I can't remember the full 15 minutes in my head anymore, so I write things down on cards now. Mm-hmm. So I had to like bring out the card and go, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> well, nobody cares. Yeah, That's nobody cares. Nobody cares. I wasn't going to get gonged, you know? No, no, no. <laughs> you know? So, no, but no. It, was a, it, was a good t- it was a good time. It was a good cause. And you were the best act uh, of the night. I mean, even though you were the The, the MC. host, yeah. yeah. The I, host. Well, I, I tried to be Chuck Barris. Yes. Who yeah. we love, Chuck oh, Barris. Chuck you remember Bar- the gong oh, show. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. You know, a lot of people, so, somebody was starting to tell me about Chuck Barris at the gong show. I'm like, are I you fucking, fucking kidding me? <laughs> yeah, I already know. It's like yeah. I fucking grew up on Chuck yeah. Barris. I'm like, oh, the guy that had that, he was crazy. He was uh, schizophrenic. Yeah. It's like, no, <laughs> no. Anyway. No. So, yes, you were you were. Well, what I did was, what I did uh-huh. was, because I always, you know, one of those people who do uh, study, cram for a test. Okay. I'm one of those people. Right. Um, is that I went on YouTube and I just... Watched a lot of Chuck Barris. I watched, and I realized watching some of the shows that there were like L.A. bands that went on that show. Right. Just to be seen. Oingo Boingo. Okay. Really? Was on the gong show. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Uh, Flea and Anthony and Hillel went on the gong really? show. They wow. weren't the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Right. They just went, under they went on there as the name. gong show. Uh-huh. And they, they were in high school then. Oh, no kidding. They were in high school then. And Pee Wee Herman no shit. was on the gong wow, show man. quite a few times. Quite a few times. <laughs> as different characters. <laughs> right, right. Because he, he, he was a groundling. Oh, okay. You know, and I, I was like, wow, these are people I knew. Yeah that I didn't know were on the gong show. Right. You know, because I remember, um, what's his name? The drummer for Oingo Boingo had this great band huh. called, uh, after Oingo Boingo grew, uh, broke up, called Food for Feet. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it was one of the best bands really? ever. And they never, I don't think they ever recorded anything, but they played around L.A. constantly. Okay. And he was on the gong really? show. So, uh, shout out to the Gong Show because then I Googled Chuck Barris and, you know, he wrote a book about his days on the Gong Show. Yeah, yeah, uh, Confessions of a Dangerous Mind. Right, Great yeah, because people yeah, yeah. thought he was a CIA No, he, guy. he says in the book that he, yeah. that he was... He was yeah, it's, it was it's never a, been proven. Well, it's, I, I think it was more of a construct, but it's a right. very clever construct that he does yeah. for, for literary purposes. It's a very good read out there. You know, check but, it out. But I do have a Hollywood story about Chuck okay. Barris. good. Uh, after my senior year in high school, before I was trying to get into UCLA, I got a job at a fancy uh, Venice Beach restaurant mm-hmm. uh, called Charmer's Market. Okay. 
And a lot of celebrities, it was very in. It was a, a restaurant that was in for a year. Now, what year was this, maybe? 82. Oh, okay. 82. And I got a job as like a bar back there, and, you know, a wait, slash waiter when someone didn't show up. Yeah, okay, fresh-faced 19-year-old yeah, Manny exactly, Chevrolet. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, all of a sudden, we got a lot of celebrities in uh-huh. there. Like Warren Beatty came in there oh, with his nice. like sixteen-year-old date. Yeah, you know, <laughs> you know? we had a lot. But Chuck Barris comes in with Al Pacino. Okay, they're having brunch there. Al Pacino and I realize I'm going. That's fucking you know fucking Don Corleone. That's you know that's Michael from The Godfather. Right. And he looks all fucking tan, like he's been in the tanning booth. Uh-huh. And I realize like. Three months later, Scarface comes out. Oh, oh, wow! Scarface <laughs> comes Tony out. Montana. Yeah, he's he's in the Tony Montana character. Right. Wow. But I thought to myself, what the fuck is Chuck Barris doing with El Pacino? That makes sense to me for some reason. It does. I, I don't know why. They're okay. about and the I, same I, age. I didn't you know? read the book. I just. They look like they would uh, be they would, friends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, well, you know, Chuck Barris, what's not to like? There, Man, in that book, there are so many hilarious uh, Chuck Barris stories. He talks about, uh, I don't mean to cut you off, Manny. But, no, go, go ahead. Uh, he talks about, so he started, uh, well, you know, like his mom wrote that song, um, uh, uh, like one of those uh, Freddie Boom Boom Cannon hits, uh, Palisades Park, I think. Right. Or maybe he wrote it. So that's he had that seed money that he started producing uh, like uh, syndicated shows, and he his first well, one was the, was the, the newlywed, the newlywed game. game. Yeah, exactly. And so then he did a dating dating game after that, which I loved the dating game as a child. I like I watched the newlywed game as well. He said when he started the newlywed game, they kept trying to to uh, tape a pilot, and. He said the answers that the newlyweds would give were so nasty that he could never air them. <laughs> right. So they were so filthy, the answers. So he said after a few um, you know, botched attempts, he finally hired an actor to dress up in a L.A. Uh, sheriff's uniform and stand on set. And he told the contestants... Look, you know, there's an obscenity uh, law, uh, yeah, law yeah. and if you violate it, this guy's going to arrest you. <laughs> yeah. That's how he got the, the participants to not wow. say filthy shit, and, and he actually got the pilot shot, and then it became a huge success, and that was yeah. the beginning of his huge career, you know. Threatening people. Well, to, to, well, to you soften know. it up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, like Michael Corleone, threatening yeah, people. He's yeah, got to put it in perspective for him, you know. <laughs> All right, so Damien, it's about time that we take off here. Is there anything you want to promote or anything you I've want? I've got no promotions. Yeah, Other no than promoting prom- the idea of isolating, <laughs> everyone should do it. Be an activist. Stay home, except for on, on voting day. Gee, you know what? <laughs> okay, I, I, I wish like I could do that. I wish I could do that. You can. Well, no, I have to leave the house every morning. Oh, that's what you have. All, you, see, I have offspring, but my offspring is now... Yeah, no, self-contained. No, but I still I have a nine-to-five job. I mean, I, if I could stay at home every day and like not leave the bed, <laughs> you know, I You're could like a bedpan. Yeah, yeah, just you know, just you know, have you know, have you a can nurse. Find, you can find a way to do that. Yeah, well, I got to hit a number, I think, first. Feign mental illness. Yeah, well, feign, feign, feign. Strike up a conversation <laughs> with your with your hand one day. 
don't well, stop until yeah. you get a check. <laughs> you get so a you check. live here now, right? No, I'm, I'm back in Hammond. Back in you're my back in Hammond. Yeah. Okay. And how far is that from here? That's 45 minutes. 40 okay. Yeah. Okay. I know it by time, not, okay. not by... Well, yeah, that's Not what I mean. That's, that's close enough. Yeah, yeah. Time and space, it's all the same thing. According to Einstein, anyway. My penis is an hour long. Okay. Uh, well, okay. I like I, it. I do everything with time. Okay. <laughs> <That's>... <laughs> My penis is like 90 seconds. Really? Yeah. Okay, well, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Uh, what I like means. all these answers. Yeah. These are yeah, all yeah, fascinating yeah, to me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. Trouble Nation, uh, uh, time your penis and see how it see yeah. how it works out. Send it in to us. Uh, you know, uh, um, yeah, there's a lot going on with Trouble Nation. Now we're about to start releasing uh, Trouble Men podcast T-shirts. We are. Yes, we are. It's going to be. One. Oh wow, it's news to me. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's, I'm, I'm spreading it on the whole nation at once. Yeah, yeah. 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 yeah okay. Yeah. All right. It's going to well, be fantastic. And they're going to cost eighty-four dollars. Okay. Well, yeah. I wasn't, that wasn't the price point I had in mind, but you know, we're going to work it out. We'll figure it'll be. Uh, no, now I think hundred and eighty-four dollars. Okay. Well, because they're going to be collectors' items. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know. Because I'm going to choke on my vomit tonight. And really? <laughs> okay. Well, anything's possible, Manny. <laughs> I have, I have faith in the, uh, the you know, the the the, the, hand of, the hand of God. Yeah, yeah, you have the hand of fate. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the fickle finger of fate. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the Lincoln Continental. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's called the callback. Yeah, bring, the, yeah. bring it all back around. Yeah. Bob Good Yellow. night. Let's go. Okay, so uh, Damon, Damien on on the Troubleman podcast, we like to say uh, trouble never ends, but the struggle continues. Good night. Good night. Red ghost mother chased the screaming idiot savant out to the black chair room. High orifice devouring the empty spaces, carpet dust floats minuscule. Pre-surgical hysteria swells in the minds of lookers-on The waiting room is filled with crinkled eyes and unread magazine The bathroom becomes refuge to the hypodermic recluse White rooms wait for thee And now I hear the silence of the sun His chatter blossoms face has come undone Irreverent and bold and looking on The fate they see and I am the stage that they stare As they wait for the final play And Dorothy pulled the car around In black suit silence sitting down the market street as window blenders next to me Churn signs and shops and autumn leaves I fall asleep As mediocre monuments Unhinge and blend or dolly-esque A park bench turns to elephant Amoeba pulse the flower dress A street light glows like UFOs Rainbow shows their pots of gold To tired thieves As clock hands slow undress the time of day And morning molestation starts to fade The telephone rings, tattles what you say And 
I am just the book that you read as you rough draft your autobiography. Should her theories fail to float, she'll quickly turn the other coat and side with me. Should she capsize far from shore on half-built rafts of metaphors, she'll drink the sea. With salty lie of lover's moan, with belly full of suds and foam, she lies on bed of roots and stone, fish-eye nipples staring on. A lighthouse beckon cuts the fog, her mermaid bottom slow dissolve, she finds her feet and leaves. Like pure right glistening gold into the full Distant stars are divination tools Astrology the science to define She's reaching for the stars and the sun and the moon For she fears what's inside the mind Sad the man.